Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Paul Blackthorn. I play Captain Quentin Lance on that TV show Arrow. And you are listening to DC Primetime on Next Level. Enjoy. Issue 23 of DC Primetime, now on your podcast stands for your listening pleasure. Uh, we apologize for the little bit of delay in the week, but uh, due to a series of unfortunate family events, uh, this is how it happened. So, but from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew, I am Rob Martin. And unfortunately, again, I, I will reiterate from what Ben just said. Um, me and my wife unfortunately had to make a last minute trip to Pittsburgh for a funeral so uh, yeah that was uh, between the weekend it's now what Monday night Tuesday night no Tuesday night Tuesday night. I can't even remember what day it is <laughs> I'm like so out of whack but uh, but yeah so we, we got back very very late last night so yeah. but uh, well, so we're getting to this uh, as quickly as possible and we feel bad especially because next week I know we're recording late again because again this coming week I'm in Virginia so <laughs> so yeah. so anytime we're late we can just blame Rob pretty much uh, no it's it's fine our listeners I'm sure completely understand and <laughs> we're still giving them we're still giving them giving them something new every week uh, it might not be all the time but we do promise you that once the shows start back up in October we will be right back on track one way or another we will find a way to bring these shows to you on time uh as much as possible i don't want to yeah. guarantee it uh but as much as possible we're going to uh we're going to bring this right back on track and bring the shows to you and the recaps of all the shows life will find a way whether that means recording in hotels in the morning <laughs> on sundays like we usually do not normally in hotels but at least recording <laughs> on sunday so are, are you jeff goldblum now uh life finds a way. life finds a way life finds a way <laughs> well now we're in dc jurassic park Oh God, that would be a messed up place. That would be a well. Actually, no. That explains Batman's dinosaur in the in the cave, even though that's a robot. But hey, you know, we just figured something out on our own. We did. The that's DC exactly Jurassic. how this goes. <laughs> that's how all this goes. Vandal Savage is responsible for everything in robot dinosaurs. There, there so, you go. Done and uh, done. It feels like so long ago too at this point because uh, it's been over a week. But uh, the topic of this issue of DC Prime Time, of course, is the Killing Joke. Uh, which has recently released on Blu-ray and DVD and also had its two-night engagement in theaters uh, thanks to Fathom Events. Uh, Rob and I had an opportunity, along with your wife, we we went and saw it last Monday. That's why I, I said it feels like so long ago. It does, because, it, it, I mean, you already saw Suicide Squad. You saw that last night. So. I did. I went to an advanced screening of Suicide Squad last night. Uh, we're not going to dive into that at all, this issue, uh, because obviously we don't want to take the risk of any spoilers accidentally leaking. Uh, we are going to focus that next issue of DC Primetime, uh, which is the one we're recording Monday night. Uh, so this way Rob has an opportunity to see it. And we want to give all of you an opportunity to hit the theaters. Well, maybe maybe it. you can do right at the right at the end because this should be a shorter episode. Uh, if, if you want to give a micro spoiler free thought process and 
because I, you know, I'm going in pretty cold, and uh, I know you did that online, and at least the embar- the embargoes did go up today, so you could at least, if you want to squeeze that in, and we can be kind of timely, actually, with the embargoes lifting, so, yeah, and then the we'll em- actually go into it next week. Yeah, the, uh, the embargo, I, uh, I, I worked on my review today, it's not posted yet, because you're right, because the embargo was still in place, so it's, uh, uh, but probably by, by the time you're listening to this, my, my review will be online on nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, cheap plug early, but yeah, I'll do a little, little mini spoiler, uh, like 60 second review towards the end of the podcast. So, uh, but let's talk killing joke, obviously, because that's what we are focusing on this issue of DC primetime. Obviously it is the first R rated DC animated film, uh, which also sees the return of Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill as the voices of Batman and the Joker. Um, what I liked about going to the theaters to see it, because uh, I will fully admit I did get a copy of it online before uh, the Monday night preview. Uh, pre- preview. I didn't watch it, though, because I wanted to reserve it for the theater. I wanted to see it in theater to get that effect. Uh, but what I did like is <clears throat> we got a little vignette before it of Mark Hamill talking about the evolution of the Joker. Well, not even just that. I mean, we, we kind of got like a little jump start of his career from – being Luke Skywalker to somebody that's now found himself, you know, in the late eighties, like 89, um, you know, going up for the audition for that and talking about like, you know, wanting to, you know, be able to play a small character on the show and not ever expecting to become the Joker when he found out. And it was kind of amusing uh, that that came into play because like we, we got to see this little bit where he was talking at great length about, you know, being cast as Luke Skywalker and opening up the script. He's like, wait a second. I'm Luke Skywalker because it's the actual titling of the script was not Star Wars A New Hope, but more along the lines of chronologically stating the events and the adventures of Luke Skywalker. And he's like, that's who I read for. That's not the lead man because he always thought Han Solo was. So it was funny hearing him talk about that and then fast forwarding time to finding out they're never going to cast me as Joker. And then finding out he's like, oh, crap, what did I just do? Not being able to remember, you know the laugh he used and trying to figure all those little things out before going back to the studio thinking who's they're never going to cast Luke Skywalker as the Joker. You can't possibly be both characters. And, you know, here we are today of him being probably the most iconic Joker for many of us. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that begs the question too. I mean, there's been a number of fantastic Jokers, um, you know, from Jack Nicholson to Heath Ledger, now Jared Leto, who, when you think of the Joker, who is it that stands out to you? Well, anytime I read a comic book, it's always Mark Hamill. Um, I mean, that's regardless. I mean, when I see these movies, I I always view these. Like I said, I, I always like to treat any of the films that exist out there, whether they're live action or animated, um, as part of kind of like the DC Elseworlds um, lines, where they're their own their own world. They're they're always their own universe. So, like when they make major changes to things, I don't get huffy as a you know DC fan. Um, I like to say, oh, no, they're their own thing, like the Dark Knight trilogy and all that stuff. So I see that Joker. I'm like, well, that's the Joker for this world in this universe. Um, but like the main DC Prime um, has always been Mark Hamill. Every time I picked up a comic book and read for the last, you know, like, you know, 25 years of me reading comics, it's always been, you know, from 1990 on has always been that it's always been that character. Yeah. And always that voice. Yeah. And yeah. And that's the same with me, too. Anything that's um, that's animated 
Mark Hamill has always been the one that I always picture, even with the video games, which we've gotten Mark Hamill in the video games as well. So it's, um, you know, they're they're one and the same. But that's just that's the iconic voice that I hear anytime I read the same as you. Anytime I read anything with Joker in the comic books, that's that's what I hear in my head. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's been um, other amazing animated versions of the character. I mean, Joe DiMaggio does an amazing one, too, from uh, the Under the Red Hood animated movie. And there's been amazing, amazing, you know, voice talents that have done this character justice as well but mark like i said between live action and animated has always been i think my number one so. and soon zach galifianakis yeah i mean that'll joining be, the ranks that'll be interesting we'll find out we'll we'll i'll, I'll hold out judgment on until uh lego batman comes out so we'll yeah, see Yeah, exactly uh but into the movie obviously the movie begins with uh we we get to see a portion of the story that's actually not in the comic book not in the graphic novel um that being a little bit of backstory between Barbara and Batman and or Barbara and Bruce or Batman and, and Batgirl. And I think this is a lot of the place where a lot of the critics tend to be at contention. Uh, yeah, and I, I can understand that. Like um, you and me specifically did not have not spoken about our thoughts about the film. We, we both walked out of the theater and enjoyed it. And before we allowed ourselves to discuss it coming out of the theater, like you, me and Kat – uh, we said, well, let's hold off. So you and me actually haven't even talked about our thoughts about. Anything. No, we we wanted to save it for this. Yeah. So um, I will tell you, I will tell you this, uh, that I also spoke with somebody else about this last night. As a matter of fact, when I was in the theater for Suicide Squad, uh, many of our listeners might not know who this is, depending on where you're from. But uh, I was sitting with Steve Morrison from uh, another radio program. Uh, here in the Philadelphia area and somebody I've known for years and is a huge comic book fan and, and comic book movies and, and such. Uh, and him and I had a little bit of a conversation about about Killing Joke as well because he had an opportunity to see it. And um, I'll share some of the thoughts that he had as well because he did make a couple interesting points. One in particular um, that I'll kind of save more towards the end because it's more about the movie in general. Uh, but as far as this backstory goes with Barbara and Batman, what are some of our impressions about this? Like, obviously, this, like I said, it's the killing joke is not getting extremely favorable reviews online. It's not extremely negative. It's kind of falling in the middle. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think this is where a lot of this contention comes from, is it's not the adaptation of the actual graphic novel. It's this new story before it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, if I were giving it our normal rating, actually, let's start there. Why don't we why don't we do the star normal sidekick hero legend? Where where would you fall in the spectrum of this? Um, You know, I would give it I'd give it a solid hero. I don't know if I would bump it to legend. Um. Because it's, again, it's an adaptation of a graphic novel, so the story's nothing new. It, the, the story is something that we know. I think they did a f- tremendous job in adapting it to an animated film. Uh, but as far as the, you know, the new content and such, um, it was good. I, I understand why they did most of it. I had a couple questions about some of it. But it's a solid hero. I, I, I still definitely enjoyed seeing the movie. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you, I mine might surprise you a little bit. Uh, I'm actually going to go Legend. Um, now, bear in mind, my re- my reasoning for that, and we'll get into this when we break this down, is the adaptation of Killing Joke is one-to-one. I mean, there's almost not a single piece of dialogue that's been left. Like, I mean, everything's there. Um, and all you have to do is, if you want your adaptation of Killing Joke, you 
start your 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 Blu-ray or DVD or your digital copy 25 minutes in or 20 yeah. minutes in, wherever it is. And if you're there just to see The Killing Joke, congratulations, you have it. Nothing new is cut into it to get in the way of that story. Um, so as far as that, as far as the precursor that takes place in the front half to make this kind of feature length, you know, I'd say that's... That's maybe the sidekick, um, maybe a low hero, because there's some things I think they did well and some things that just did not need to be there. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd say it feels more like the precursor feels more like an oddball lost episode of Batman the Animated Series. Um, it just totally it just didn't belong next to Alan Moore's work. Uh, I think that's the best way I can kind of put it. Yeah, and, and I can see that. I mean, I think that's actually a really good way to put it as far as, you know, 25 minutes into the end is brilliant. I mean, it is, like you said, it's shot for shot, gra- the, the graphic novel, The Killing Joke. Uh, nothing new added, nothing taken away. So it's 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 perfect. Uh, it is. It's the stuff in the beginning. It's the new content that kind of takes away from it being as good as it could have been. Right. But I mean, and if you're there primarily and you own this or went to see it, because of the killing joke and you walk away angry and upset. I want to tell people to think about that a little bit. You got everything you wanted and more and that and more wasn't great, but what you came there to see was perfect. Yes. I mean, you can't argue that point at all. You had some, you had animation that looked very close to the stylization of what that book was. Uh, And if you think it was a a really grandiose piece of art, I want you to go back and find your copy because it's, there's some beautiful shots in that book, but it's very basic. Um, and they got that across, I think, very nicely with the animation style that they did choose, where it harkens back to a lot of those original drawings, the color palette, all those things. And the words are every word that needed to be there was there word by word. Yeah. Um, and nothing was jarring about any of it. And what it was jarring was because it was the moments that was meant to make you feel jarred about what you're watching or reading. Um, it was... You know, I think the best way I can say it is when me and Ben and Kat were in that theater and the film ended, the house lights come up and the audience is silent the way that movie should be. Um, if you have people cheering, um, I think there's something wrong with those people. <laughs> yes, very what much you, so. What you watched is something very, very serious. It's very dour. It's very brutal in every uh, you know definition of the word. And I, I think... That was the right response for a group of fans that are there to see what something that they love. Uh, this is not the, this like you know, roaring, cheering audience that you get from something like seeing Star Wars or a Harry Potter film at midnight. You know, this is the exact right response for this film. And you're absolutely right. I didn't even <clears throat> I didn't even really think about that till now that when the movie ended, people just pretty much just stood up and started silently walking out of the theater. Uh, you know, there was no mumbling chit chat between people. There was nobody cheering. Thank goodness, because we would have been in a theater with the next real life Joker uh, at that point. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it got the effect that it needed to get. Yeah, you should really walk away from that film or reading that comic book and be like, holy shit, that was fucked up. Um, and you should feel unnerved by it because it's meant to be an unnerving story. Yeah. I mean, just the way that book ends, the way that they ended the animated uh, animated adaptation of it was beautifully done and absolutely beautiful to see um you know the those amazing talents like tara strong and you know ray weiss kevin conroy and mark hamill give life to those those words that alan moore wrote so many years back um but uh, they did such a gorgeous job of doing it and i I really have to give them so much credit for it 
Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, like, you know, let's rewind this a little bit. Let's start back with the prologue and kind of break this down. Well, I'll let you kick that off. Okay. That, yeah, that's actually what I wanted to do too. I mean, cause as far as the, the, the ending or the second half rather of the killing joke, there's really not much to talk about. If you've, if you've read the graphic novel, um, it's pretty close to perfect. So there's really not a lot of discussion that you could have with that that we haven't already covered already at this point, you know, 10, 15 minutes into this issue. Um, but going back to the beginning, going back to the the, the prologue of the whole killing joke, um, this is where a lot of the points of contention may be. So uh, let, let's talk about this. Obviously, it is a uh, – it's about 20 to 25 minutes of additional footage that um, – you could tell is pretty much used to build a more a bigger relationship or a deeper relationship between Batman and Batgirl or Bruce and Barbara. Um, and it, it's something that's obviously used because they want to drive this force more into the story of when the events that be, that start the killing joke. Uh, you want to be more invested into the character of Barbara because she is the one that obviously kicks this off. And that's what the point of this story is. Yeah, it's becoming invested in the character before the act of tragedy. Yes. So the question remains now with this, with everything that happens in this precursor and this prologue, is did did it get the actual effect that it was going for? Did it focus on the right person in this prologue? And did it garnish – did they do everything right to get this effect? So um, your thought, do you think – what were what were the what were the appropriate steps and what were the missteps that they made in this? If any, you might not think there were any missteps. Well, I mean, I think the missteps. Um, I think the big point is that film starts off with, you know, Barbara Gordon monologuing and kind of saying what happened to her, and this is the story that this is the story before the story, um, and I think that was the mistake right off right off the bat was a kind of grievous mistake of this because the Killing Joke has always been about. Uh, the opposites between Batman and the Joker. I mean, it's a it's one side of uh, yeah one side of the coin, um, and it's done through each of their perspectives. With Bruce going through what he thinks could be come one of the worst situations ever, and realizing that he needs to come to terms with a, a very very possible future, and then in the meantime, while you're dealing with his psychosis, you're actually getting the history of the Joker, and you're seeing actually how. His plan is all because of he's mimicking how he became who he became. Um, so you're seeing two sides of a coin. You're seeing Batman's extreme, and actually you're seeing an innocent side of the Joker to an extent. I mean, not obviously through the plot beats of the story, but you're seeing this tragic fall of, of an average Joe and how one bad day can change everything in your life, or at least from how he believes it. Mm. And then seeing Batman feeling like he's about to fall to one of the worst extremes possible. And I think it's one of those things that's really interesting to watch. But when you add a third voice to that, it takes a lot of that away. Um, and I think that was, I think, one of the big mistakes. And I think this really should have begun with Batman telling a tale, not through the tale of Barbara. Um, I think that would have been a little bit smarter. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. I mean, the, the, basically, I think one of the main premises of that whole Barbara Gordon storyline in the beginning is it's it, it's meant to drive form, meant to drive home the whole point that you – Barbara is not ready to be Batgirl 
until she's been driven so far to the point where it's almost hard to come back from, which is a point that Batman has been to many times. It is the reason why he is the way he is as Batman. And it ends up being the reason why Barbara quits being Batgirls because she's driven to that point finally. And she feels she can't come. She almost couldn't come away from it. So she ends up quit quitting being Batgirl, which leads into the events of the killing joke. And, I felt like that really had nothing to do with the story and the interaction and the balance between Batman and Joker. It doesn't, but I mean, in the in the version of the story and the adaptation, I can say that did work as a setup. There were some things that were in there that were unnecessary. Um, one being, I, that, yes, <laughs> let, let's we'll just cut to the chase on this one: the odd relationship between Bruce and Barbara. Uh, that that being specifically them actually having sex in this, which was awkward. And I think it was awkward for everybody in the theater and for almost any viewer and anybody that knows those characters as well as, you know, Ben and I do. Um, And I think it's this idea, this almost kind of like mentor role where like Barbara kind of sees him almost as somewhat of a surrogate father to an extent through the, you know, you know, vigilantism. Um, And I think that's why a lot of people maybe were so taken aback by, those specific events. And I do agree. I think they actually told actually a good small story um, before the events, but I think it needed to be separate. Like, you know, we went to the fathom events uh, version of this. And if they said, here's a precursor story or on a DVD or Blu-ray and said, here's a, a lost episode. I think my wife said it best, which she said, if they presented that as a lost episode of Batman, the animated series um, that had some more adult themes and uh, you know, of the like, and you could have just watched that as an episode that showed her just quitting as being, you know, Batgirl. And, you mm-hmm. know, cut cut away some of the more adult themes that were there that didn't need to be there. Um, I think you and me both agreed on that, that that relationship angle didn't need to be there. It didn't need no. to be present to get the same emotion that we got out of what we got from that little prologue story. No, we, di- we didn't need to have a, a sexual moment between Batman and Batgirl on the rooftop. Um in order for the story to progress, the story would have progressed exactly the same. It would have still had the same effect as it did. I think one of the only reasons why they might have put that actually in there is because they wanted to add to the fact that this was a rated R film. Potentially. And I think one of the things uh, somebody uh, was pretty smart pointing out, and I have to go back and actually look for this myself, but uh, I don't know if anybody out there that's listening is remembers uh, there was an animated feature back in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. Uh, called uh, it was Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, where Mark Hamill came back and they actually introduced the Joker to the Batman Beyond universe. And we got how Joker died, um, you know, before Bruce gave everything up. And, um, you know, Barbara's a commissioner at this time in Gotham City in the future. And she stated that the relationship between Bruce and her, it was very complicated. And I think this may be something that Bruce Tim kind of looked at and said, this is a plot thread we never went back to, never addressed when we got to do the animated series or Batman Beyond or any of the animated features that took place in that universe. We never explored that. And this was something that probably him and Brian Azzarello sat down and said, well, can we explore this a little bit? And I think that's a nice, interesting tie. But I think it felt odd in the context of going into The Killing Joke. Okay, yeah, I I, I guess I can kind of see that point, too. Um, but I want to focus for a second too on on the point that I just made about them adding this to uh, adding this this particular scene to make this a rated R film, and this is going back to what um, 
you know, my friend Steve had brought up too. And he made a very good point about this. And it's, it's something that I didn't even really think about until uh, he made this point. And I actually sat and discussed it with him a little bit in further in detail. Uh, this is the first rated R animated film from DC. Uh, and the, the Killing Joke obviously is a brilliant choice for, for that to become the first rated R film. But other than this actual subject material and the dynamic between Batman and Joker, really, was there anything in this film to merit an R rating? Well, there was. I mean, I, I think the torture of Jim, uh, Jim Gordon, um, the um, the alluding to rape, I think all those things are kind of a big part of that. I mean, also, you have to think about, too, in a PG animated film or a PG-13 animated film, you don't usually see gruesome acts like the way she was shot and then seeing her pose practically almost naked covered in blood i mean those are all shot for shots from them from that book i mean it's a very adult subject matter um and even bullock kind of talks to batman at a point where kind of stating without stating it specifically that you know she was raped uh by the joker you know and then you also are seeing a naked jim gordon tortured uh, throughout that, which is also a very also adult theme. And you saw that translated in this animated adaptation. So I think, yes, there's that very much still R-rated content in this. Okay, yeah, well, I, I didn't really consider the rape aspect of it. Um, and now that that's there, I can definitely see why this was given the R-rating. So um, as far as the, the story, uh, the precursor to The Killing Joke, building the dynamic between all the characters that are in The Killing Joke, uh, you know, Barbara, uh, Commissioner Gordon, Batman, Joker. This is another point, and I can't remember if you were the one that made this point before or if somebody else made this point to me too, but do we think they focused on – obviously, you, you've already stated that the, the, the prologue voiceover being Barbara was a mistake and it, should have, it could have been Batman and being a Batman story. But between Barbara and Commissioner Gordon, could the effect been a little bit better if the precursor was a story about Commissioner Gordon rather than Barbara? Since Commissioner Gordon is a bigger part of the killing joke over – I mean Barbara is a big part of it too obviously in, in the the wound that she suffers and you know, um, being used towards Commissioner Gordon to, to get into his head. But the, uh, pre, uh, by the end of this, I mean it is Commissioner Gordon that is still – no matter all the torture and everything that he's gone through, he's still by the book and you know which is – what he enforces onto Batman by the end when Batman is, is chasing the Joker. Could there been a bigger effect in keeping that ideal ideology of commissioner Gordon still being by the book. If it focused on him more in the precursor rather than Barbara. Uh, I don't think it would be able to, I think that story is still really meant to be played, uh, played between two people specifically. Um, the biggest problem is too, is, in that whole idea is if you think about the killing joke, Jim Gordon never found out that Barbara Gordon was was Batgirl. Um, and knowing that precursor point of this and going through his his thought process of all this stuff, it, it would kind of break that. Does he not know in, in this precursor? Because it's om- I feel like at certain points it's almost implied. Um, they, they may have came across that way, but no, he does not know. Um, he has no knowledge of that when, you know. You see Barbara shot. She is a straight-up civilian. Um, you know, she's already given in her gear. There's no point in time where it's ever brought up that she was Batgirl. Joker never just states that ever, you know, to, to Jim Gordon. And I don't think even it alludes to the fact that Joker knew. Um, it's always that straight-up idea of 
he was gunning after Jim Gordon because he knew he was an ally to Batman. Uh, and that was a way to break Jim Gordon. That was it was not meant to break Batman. It was meant to break an average person on the street um, and specifically somebody that he knew outright was an ally to, to Bruce. So Barbara being Batgirl doesn't actually even play in the factor into this. It's just Barbara being Barbara. And that's all it is. And I think that's that's one thing that maybe people might get a little muddled with some of the when they read this, because it's a knowledge that we have. So it's really hard to break away that certain characters don't know that about that character and mm-hmm. somebody that you're like, they're so closely tied together. How could they not know with them having that much lineage in comic book history? You know? Yeah. So. Um, obviously, I know I know one thing that we have not mentioned either and it kind of ties into the prologue of the story is that there is actually and there is one additional scene to the killing joke that we didn't think about uh it is a post credit scene uh that i don't believe is in if i remember correctly is not in the killing joke no it was just i think it was more of them putting kind of like a little stinger in there at the end of... yeah it's a little nod to the to the fans of the actual comic book and, yeah i mean uh, the, yeah. Uh, the actual cartoon Right, of of her becoming Oracle in the wheelchair. And I, I mean, it was a nice little nod there that was there for, for people and saying, kind of like maybe saying something like uh, when we saw Justice League versus Teen Titans. You know, we got that little bit of the Judas contract at the end of Terra floating up on the rock to Titans Tower. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe this means that an upcoming story down the road that, uh, you know, DC is going to do is a, maybe a Birds of Prey animated film where we're going to see Oracle, you know, traditional Barbara Gordon Oracle. I mean, that very well could be it. Yeah, I mean, and and we already know for a fact, too, that originally when The Killing Joke was announced and they announced Mark Hamill coming back as the Joker, it was, I think at that time, it was announced that this was going to be the end for Mark Hamill as the Joker. This was going to be the last thing he was going to do as the Joker. He was specifically coming back to do this as the final thing. Uh, But now he's continuing forward, still voicing the Joker in the new animated series that's coming out. Yeah, I mean, that was even something we got to see in our little vignette, too, was him saying quitting playing the Joker on Twitter and announcing that publicly. He was like, why did I do that? He's like, yeah. I love this character. This character is somebody different every time I play him, yeah. um, whether it's the video game version or, you know, no Justice League action coming up or the killing joke or the old classic animated series. You know, he's played so many versions and variations of this character, and I think he realizes that that well is not dry. Um, There's so many different versions of this this character that are going to exist yeah. whether it's the old jerry robinson version to you know scott snyder and now beyond um with the uh the real launch of uh dc comics i will say with the actual killing joke itself with the focus on that story and the actual graphic novel there were a couple scenes in that that played a little differently animated than actually were in my head but to the best uh because there were moments that actually made me chuckle uh, just because of the way that the the sequence was portrayed by most specifically some scenes with the Joker uh, and Mark Hamill portraying it. I mean, there were times that I just I just chuckled because I didn't picture the scene going that way in my head being fully animated. So that is one aspect about the killing joke that I actually really did enjoy. Yeah, like the whole musical number, like, you know, most <laughs> of those words are, are in the book. Um and they're there. You just never think of it as this rousing musical number in this really intense scene, you know, in this book. Um, but it's there. You just have to look for it. And you're like, oh, well, actually, that's very, very clearly there. But you you forget. And when you see that change, it makes everything so much more sinister almost. Um, but I mean, there's moments that make you laugh with him pulling the gun on on Batman at the end and, you know, getting and ready it, to shoot. And, it's, and it, yeah, the bang, the bang, bang, bang flap come come down. 
and it got a bit of a chuckle out of the audience. You know? And that's the one scene in particular I'm thinking of when I talk about this. It's just that he's like, well, damn. Or whatever. I, I don't remember the exact line. But yeah, that that's one of those moments that just when you see it portrayed and actually animated out, you get a little bit of a chuckle and it it uh, it just adds to the to the dynamic of that story. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because I know a lot of people kind of chuckled at that moment. And I was just kind of like, wow, I never really thought about it that way. Like when you're actually watching this animated out, his backstory is showing that he could never do anything right. He he couldn't be, you know, a successful um you know, family man. He couldn't be a successful comedian. He couldn't rob, you know, rob a, a bank or a jewelry store or whatever it was that they were on as the Red Hood gang trying to steal. Uh, and he couldn't kill Batman. It just kind of makes this tragic feeling of he's a failure at whatever he does. Um, and it was kind of interesting kind of watching that. I mean, I think I broke I, when I when I saw that, I, I broke that down a lot more than I ever anticipated. And I, it was really interesting kind of seeing all that stuff because it made you think of it in completely new lights. Yeah, exactly. So um, anything else about this that I might be missing out on or any other points that you wanted to make about Killing Joke? Um, like I said, you know, the prologue stuff real quick just to kind of, you know, fill that back up is uh, is that idea. I think Brian Azzarello and Bruce Tim are amazing at the things that they do. Azzarello is one of my favorite comic book writers, and um, it's just it's a shame it came off the way it did. And I know a lot of people really, really hated that prologue. And I don't think it's all terrible. Uh, I think there's a, a fun story there minus, you know, the, the sexual tension that didn't need to exist. Yeah. And Brian Azzarello is I got I've seen get some flack for his writing uh, as far as the precursor. And uh, he's written some of the best Joker stories ever, ever put in print. So I think it's just the idea of it's almost impossible to match Alan Moore in his tone. Um, again, like I said, my wife, you know, being an author kind of kind of stated it best when we were talking about this afterwards was uh, Alan Moore chose every word that is in the killing joke so perfectly and all because each word was so loaded um, because they could be broken down so many ways. I mean, people still argue the end of the, the killing joke even today, um, whether that that end of the laughter with uh, it just being Bruce. And pending down to that puddle, did he actually kill the Joker there? Um, mm-hmm. And there's many writers out there that to this day for that are comic book artists that said that was meant to be the last Batman Joker story. You know, a lot of people view it that way, like Grant Morrison, one of these very prolific comic book writers. And when you watch the end of it, it, it really does leave you wondering, did that actually happen or is it completely something else? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's intended to, as you mentioned, it's intended to bookend the, sto- the Joker story, give you an, an actual origin tale to the joker but also possibly an ending to the joker at the same time right so i think it's that's the biggest thing is alan moore's this has has so much amazing talent um you look at Watchmen, you look at v for vendetta um you know the league of extraordinary gentlemen not the films of any of these mind you um but the original works and uh this this man was you know you read his dialogue even today and they hold up better than almost any comic book you'll ever pick up and uh, I, I think it's impossible for any writer out there. Brian Azrael, I think, did, a, did an, a commendable job, but I don't think you can ever match two writers um, like that up against each other. I think it's impossible, unfortunately. And uh, I kind of feel bad for him and, and Bruce Tim and all, but uh, I still have to say I think this was beautifully done. Uh, no, I agree with you. Uh, you know, 
good on that as well. It's, I think it was very well done. I definitely enjoyed going to the theaters to see it rather than waiting to rather than getting the early advancement and watching it at home. Cause I think seeing it in the theater actually added to the element of this. We're seeing an R rated DC film on, on the big screen, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. And so. I was about to slug you. Cause that was the first thing you said to me when you sat down in the theater is I have a copy of this. I'm like, you better not have watched. No, <laughs> no, I made sure <laughs> I knew I was going to get a ton of shit from you. If I watched it before we went to theater, not to mention the fact that I was like, you know what? I paid money to see this in theaters why am i gonna watch it before it i mean you already get to see suicide squad before me you're gonna take killing joke away from me too (laughs) come on man uh Uh, no but if you have not already seen the killing joke uh but you have read it or even if you haven't read it uh we definitely recommend going out and checking out the graphic novel the killing joke and then watching the animated film uh because well no matter what we say we always encourage people to form their own opinions when it comes to film so definitely go and and check out the the animated film it's now available on blu-ray uh and dvd as well as video on demand so check it out for yourself and you know yeah. let us know what you think yeah and if you're a purist remember you can always go back to it watch it and start writing the killing joke if you want to yeah. but i still recommend just watch the whole thing you know like i said ben said form your own opinion but if you know you're going to be uppity about it, just jump ahead and enjoy the 45 minutes because they're exceptional. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of forming their own opinions, shall I give you a mini review of Suicide Squad since you just brought it up? Yes, please. I am really, really excited. Uh, I will tell you this right now. Uh, I've made no qualms about the fact that it's I, I did not enjoy Man of Steel. Batman v Superman was a little disappointing to me. It was enjoyable, but it was, it was still disappointing. Uh, so... As much as I wanted to be skeptical about Suicide Squad, I was so freaking excited to go into it. Uh, I've been looking forward to this movie all year, and I will tell you, it is not superior, but in the missteps of Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, uh, this is definitely a step in the right direction for DC. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um a couple moments that were a little hard to follow, but uh, more in the action sequence than the story itself. The story made complete sense. The cast kills it. Um, Margot Robbie is fantastic. Like, she nails Harley Quinn, in my opinion. So that was one thing that I was a little on the fence about because I didn't know how it was going to be. Um, Will Smith as Deadshot is great. The rest of the cast is phenomenal. Uh, as you would expect, this is not a spoiler of any kind. Um, that might be a minor one, but it's not giving anything away. Uh, as you would expect with a movie called The Suicide Squad with people who are going into it to not intentionally not come back, uh, that is the case. So uh, I will not reveal who in particular I'm speaking about or if there are more than one. But ooh, 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 I, I can guess one right off the bat. Slipknot, because he's in none of the trailers except for like <laughs> one or two. <laughs> Um, that's a I, gimme. I will if not... you've watched any of the trailers, that I think that's a gimme. I don't even know this. Ben has not told me. No. But I gotta say, I'm gonna go in right off the bat that that's a gimme, and I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna give my precursor guesses. I'm gonna say uh, El Diablo probably does not make out of this alive. I'm not gonna well. reveal which ones you're right about either. I know. I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but we'll bring that up next week, and I'll find out if I'm right. Yeah. And I, I'm really hoping that they don't kill off Killer Croc, but uh, my guess is it's those two are the ones. So. All right, those are those are good guesses. I will I will say I'm not revealing yes or no whether or not you are right. Uh, but yes, there are members that do not uh, make it out of this. I will tell you one thing: I'm still on the fence about. Uh, and obviously, when you get to see it this weekend, both you, Rob, and the, and our listeners, um, I'm still 
on the fence about Joker. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's different. It's a different take on the Joker than I think we've ever seen. And I heard from uh, many sources are out there as we're recording this. I know reviews are up um, actually as of just several hours ago. Uh, and a lot of things I'm hearing without being spoilery is he's not in it too much and not in it too little. It's just the right amount, leaving you wanting more and trying to understand who he potentially I, is. In this I, universe. Will, I will agree with that. It is okay. a perfect amount of him. He's not. Um, yeah, it's not too much of him and it's not too little of him. It, it's a good amount of Joker. And, and you're right. It does. It leads you wanting to know more about him because, it, like I said, it's a different take on the Joker than I've than I've ever seen before. Yeah, I heard it's just that perfect taste where you're kind of like, I can't give you an actual opinion because I don't know if I have one yet. Yes, exactly. And that's exactly it. And I think uh, that's maybe the right thing to do, unless it's a Batman film, you know, with him being a sub character of this. I think that's the right right choice. And you know what? And that's the good thing about I will tell you that about Batman in this film, too. It's it's no secret that he's in the film. He's in the trailers and it's been revealed. Uh, and it is Ben Affleck playing Batman. It is. um. It's a good amount. It's not overused. It's not changing the focus of the film from the from the cast of the from the actual Suicide Squad itself or Task Force S X, which they you know they're also titled. Um, it's basically it. He's used in just the right amounts in just the right places to further the story. Which so is the great. last the last question I have for you is, where would you put this on par with the new Ghostbusters film? Um, as far as the number review, I actually gave it the same. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10, um, which is what I gave the new Ghostbusters film. As far as comparing them, they're night and day. Um, Ghostbusters is more of a comedy with elements of action. This is for without a doubt an action with elements of comedy. They're, they're kind of a little, they're kind of opposites. And that's actually, you know what? You don't even have to say anything else. That's like you said, watch it. And I think you're saying the same thing about this one. And it's. It's worth your time to see it. Um, I think the new Ghostbusters, I saw it a couple days after you did, and uh, I walked away from that and I'm like, I enjoyed that. And I think based off of what you're saying, I think I'm going to walk away from Suicide Squad being like, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, from somebody like me who has not been happy with the DC films as of yet to come across and say, I enjoyed this, that says a lot. So I'm, I, I definitely did enjoy this. I gave it about a 7.5 out of 10. And like uh, you know, most people who probably went to an advanced screening like I did, uh, I will probably see it again over the course of the weekend because I want to I wanna see it again just because I enjoyed it. Awesome. So um, one other point of news that came out this week that we'll touch base on for a couple minutes uh, before we move on to news stories and such. Uh, obviously, in the fact that we cover the show's uh, the DC shows over the over the run of the year, uh, which they're all coming back in October. Uh, we covered in DC News a couple weeks ago the fact that uh, Tyler Hokum is that his Hotchlin was cast as Superman in the upcoming season two of Supergirl, which has moved over to the CW now. And recently, we got to see what he looks like as Superman. His look of Superman has been revealed. Uh, and I've been hearing some mixed reviews. Uh, and I think even in the course of our circle of friends, I've been hearing some mixed reviews. Well, let's be honest. Our circle of friends, well, <laughs> <laughs> I love every one of them very, very near and dearly. But uh, we, have, we have a couple negative nerds, as we call them, in yeah, our circle of friends. That like really loves to tear certain things down and tear things apart a little bit more than I think it's necessary sometimes. Yes. Um and I think when you see bull shots like these, um, 
you know, a lot of post-processing as far as Photoshop is involved. And I think it was a detriment. <laughs> and I think you and me both pointed that out. And I was just kind of like, I love the casting choice. Uh, really, I think, poor choice in pictures. <laughs> that, yeah. That's how it was. Yeah. And I'm this, I feel the same way. I think the casting is actually uh, pretty good uh, from the pictures I saw of Tyler before they revealed these ones, I think. And even in the videos I saw that came out of San Diego Comic-Con, I think he has the, the look and the mannerisms of Superman. I think he's going to be... A fantastic, fantastic choice. But from that first promo shot that we saw, it was way over photoshopped and it didn't look right. There have since been some new shots revealed. And uh, uh, all of them have, you know, made me feel drastically, drastically better. I'm like, yep, that was exactly as I was thinking. Yeah, so I mean, we got to see some really good action shots of them. Yeah, there's been there's a shot of him as Clark Kent. There's a shot of him as Superman. And there's a shot of him ripping open the shirt to become Superman. So it's uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm. I'm pleased by those shots. The shot that CW released, uh, not so much. So, yeah. So I, I would tell everybody that was, like I said, I heard a lot of people uh, stating um, this looks like the animated version of uh, Flashpoint, the Superman that's emaciated that was captured by the government. A lot of people bring up that reference. It's it's not one or two of our friends. I've seen that brought up multiple times. Um, yeah, make sure you do a little homework yourself. Look up some of the other shots from behind the scenes of shooting and y your your fears will be put to rest. Yes, um, exactly. I mean, the guy is actually incredibly built and uh, 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 the right size guy for the role. Um, they're never going to cast somebody like the size of Grant Gustin for for Superman. It doesn't make sense. No, because so. because that's what happens when you when you cast somebody the size of that to portray Venom in Spider-Man. Look how that turned out. Exactly. So. So, yeah, don't stress out. There's a lot of really good pictures of him uh, on set, and he looks great. He he actually, I think he looks really good. And from knowing some of his work in the past, uh, I, I think he's going to be a really fun Superman to watch. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, let's get ready to wrap things up. But before we do that, we've got some DC news to bring your way. So, Rob, I am, as I usually do, you tend to find way more news than I do. Uh, so I usually just turn it over to you and let's run through some of the DC news. Well, right off the bat, I'm going to apologize. Usually I have this broken down in order. This week, not so much. Um, again, as we <laughs> mentioned, I came off of a, a very late trip in to work and then directly to recording tonight. So everything you get is uh, jumbled up, but it's all there. I promise. It's <laughs> so, a DC melting pot. It is. So right off the bat, we're going to go right down the list here. So Colton Haynes, uh, actually it was reported today, uh, has already been spotted on set uh, in Vancouver for season five of Arrow. Uh, and they're already stating because they usually shoot in order. Uh, he's expected to appear in a very early uh, season episode. So I would expect we're going to see him within by episode three, more than likely, because we even knew last week they just began shooting. So um Grant Gustin's already confirmed as well, uh, and he's brought up kind of in the past, but this is kind of reiterating the point that Flashpoint isn't a season-long thing for a lot of people that keep kind of arguing that that, that this is going to last long-term. Uh, as we mentioned last week, he even stated that uh, it's not going to last as long as most people expect it would, and uh, I think this is just reiterating that this is going to be maybe two, three episodes before we get back to the, the heart of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, also today announced was Callista Flockhart is going to return to season two of Supergirl, but uh, more in the role of a reoccurring guest. Uh, like I said, we did speculate several months back that uh, the, the shift of the production to Vancouver was going to cause some issues. And this is, again, proving point. 
But we do know, uh, again, Kara is going to be dealing with uh, Snapper Kara as her new boss. So Yeah, we kind of had we kind of predicted this a little bit further a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's fine. I'm just happy that she's still going to be – Cat Grant is still going to to be there. And I think mm. that's uh, that was the, what we were more concerned about. So um, Also, going back to uh, Arrow as well, for Season 5, we also found out that Felicity will have a new uh, actual romantic relationship. And uh, from what we understand, it seems like they may already, like the, whoever she is involved with will already uh, be in the mix of things at the start of the new season. So I wouldn't be too surprised. So those of you out there that are big Olicity shippers, be prepared. So we don't want to get, get Twitter feeds filled up with anger and hate. <laughs> It's going to happen. It is. It, it is. It's I, I was one of those people that was pretty bummed about, you know, the canary thing. But I kept it tasteful. So if you're an illicity shipper, keep it tasteful. So um, as far as, uh, you know, Legends of Tomorrow is concerned, Brandon Routh was in a recent interview this past week. And he did discuss a little bit about the JSA characters because we're not quite sure if this was an Earth, Earth 3 thing or their prime Earth. But it sounds like the JSA characters are coming from the 1940s. So this is kind of harkening back to the original idea that the JSA were the precursor to the Justice League. And I think uh, them choosing the 1940s era, I think, is the perfect kind of point, thinking that we a lot of us think the modern day of comics was the, the 1980s variations of these people. So uh, so I, I, that still doesn't answer our questions. Is this multiverse or is this um, their Earth Prime? So that's a, that's a wait and see. Um, David Ayer also kind of talked a little bit right now, too, as well, about is uh, Suicide Squad. And there was a certain character that he wanted for Task Force X that uh, he chose and opted not to use. And originally, he did want to have King Shark be a prevalent part of the cast. But when they were kind of discussing whether they were going to be able to do this character, and you know, pretty much everybody told him as far as effects-wise, they would have to go fully CG, which uh, he was his primary reason for turning that down. Um, and I know that was uh, the reason they went with Killer Croc instead. And I will, they, tell you, I will tell you right now, I'm glad they did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's a shame, but we did get to see him flash. So there's still a place for King Shark in our hearts. Yes. Uh, as far as also going back over to Supergirl, uh, we did find out that she is the primary focus of the four-part crossover. So that's something we'll probably actually break down again in the next few weeks. So there's probably a little bit more details, maybe spin out of this. But we're not quite sure if that means each show is actually going to bleed all together as one big four-part story or where there's been some rumblings that is maybe it's Supergirl bouncing show to show and the Supergirl being the primary focus going between Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. I so, just I just can't wait. There's one there's one thing in particular I'm just looking forward to the most about that four-part crossover, uh, and it is seeing Diggle's head spin when he sees Supergirl fly. I know. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Uh, Margot Robbie did speak out a little bit this week as well uh, when she was doing some uh, early press screenings as well with uh, Suicide Squad that there are no current news about the Harley Quinn spinoff that we actually reported about a little bit uh, back ago. But they did kind of say, while nothing has been greenlit, that there are a lot of different storylines and beats that she would really love to explore. And uh, that doesn't that's not exactly a lie. That could be a lie of omission. We're not quite sure yet. So. But it doesn't sound like anything has been fully greenlit yet at Warner Brothers. Specifically for that, we did hear a lot of positive things about Suicide Squad 2, though. So, 
the Justice League Dark trailer also hit over the past week for the animated upcoming feature, which looks to be the next feature in the Warner Brothers animation line for the DC films. We also did see CW Seed release a sneak peek for Vixen Season 2, which will add in addition to Black Canary that we reported before with Katie Cassidy recurring to voice the character. We did find out both Firestorm and Flash will be part of Season 2 for Vixen. Um, going again one more time to Arrow before we wrap things up. Uh, Arrow uh, star Stephen Amell did confirm yet again for a lot of people out there that have been worried about the direction of season five, that season five is indeed dra- uh, drastically more grounded than anything they've done since season two. Um, the main focus will be street crime and mobster uh, mobster focus, and the flashbacks will be more integral to the actual plot of the story, very similar to the way they were in season one and season two. So, We'll uh, we'll wait to see what happens on October 5th. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's hard to say how we're going to feel about that yet quite yet. Yeah, exactly. And the last story is coming to us from Gotham and Ben McKenzie did come out this week and discussed a little bit about the future for Jim Gordon in season three and actually stated something very unique during San Diego Comic-Con during an interview, uh, specifically stating that that Jim Gordon will potentially be becoming another iconic DC character this season on Gotham which really opens up the doors to what they may potentially be doing. I know a lot of people are wondering, does this mean he's going to actually become Batman before actually Bruce Wayne becomes Batman and uh, kind of allude to uh, the recent Scott Snyder run? Or is maybe he going to become a new iconic DC character altogether that, as we've seen a little bit with Gotham, where they've played around a little bit with uh, a lot of the past, but they've done it in a very fun way. And I think Ben McKenzie... uh, Seemed very excited, but it sounds like this could be a mid-season finale or end of season. So we'll wait and see. This this poses a very interesting question, um, and I'll pose this to you, and then maybe we'll leave this to the listeners. Should we or should we not add Gotham to our lineup? I know we tend to run long a little bit already sometimes, uh, but it would kind of force us to shorten everything up. But you and I are practically almost completely caught up with Gotham and actually really enjoying it. Well, I do remember back when we originally had uh, the guys from, uh, you know, DCR on. There was uh, some of their listeners that stated, why no Gotham? Um, and maybe this is uh, this is telling us that maybe it is time to add it because we'll probably be adding Powerless, which will be probably very short form conversations with us giving more or less a rating because how you how do you review a sitcom episode? Yeah, exactly. Where it's, it's, uh, you can expect we're going to give you maybe a five minute discussion on top of the maybe two minutes we spend with a review score. Um, so maybe this is time to actually say this season, I think we're going to probably add Gotham. Yeah, I, I, I'm liking the idea. The more and more I keep watching it, the more I'm liking the idea that I'd like to talk about it because it is it's enjoyable now. Like I had to suffer a little bit through the first season, but this second season so far has been fantastic. And everything I'm seeing coming out of Comic-Con and everything for the third looks like it's going to be just as good. And I think a big part of it is everybody has to remember kind of what we said earlier with the killing joke was these things should be thought of as in their own continuity, not part of the comics universe, that they are their own thing, the way that Gotham is. So bear in mind, that was something I had a hard time struggling with when I started that show. And I put it down the way that I put it down in season one of Arrow. And when I came back and I'm like, wow, I gave up on the show right as the show was going to about to become good. <laughs> yep. And when I went to Gotham, it was like, wow, I actually found that I was able to enjoy it. And we binge watched through the rest of 
the season. We went from episode four to the end in the course of two or three days and uh, already have finished up most of the Rise of the Villains point before we turned to Wrath of the Villains. And I think you just finished Rise in season two. I just finished Rise. The next episode begin, which was the mid-season finale of of season two. Uh, And I'm just getting ready to start. Probably tomorrow I will be starting Wrath of the Villains. Yeah. So I think uh, with the... You meeting Robin Lord Taylor and talking to and the Drew actress, Powell and Drew Powell, the actress who plays Barbara Aaron Richards. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think uh, because these people and even, you know, Drew Powell has actually stated that he wants to come on the show and talk with us uh, yeah. about the show. But and it's something that from Gotham, if you don't. know. Yes, this. yes. And uh, it's it's something that me and Ben have enjoyed. And while we may realize a lot, some of you out there, um, you know, may not be fans of Gotham the way that you are some of the CW shows. What we can look at doing in the start for when we dive into the next seasons for everything is uh, maybe in our, our breakdowns, we'll give you little timestamps for when we talk about each show. We'll do our review section and then say, hey, at this time marker, if you want to listen to Arrow or Flash or Legends, uh, Supergirl, and then Gotham. So you can dive ahead, know where you're going to go, where the news points are going to start up. We can always look at doing that That for those of you that may not watch so, or or follow the, some of the shows that we do discuss normally, but it does allow us That's to not maybe, a bad idea. maybe give you guys a little something more uh, because we know quite a few of you have actually talked to us and said that you would like to see Gotham on the lineup. So That's not a bad idea, the timestamp thing. I kind of so, like that. So we'll do maybe we'll just add timestamps when uh, the shows kick back up. And uh, that way we can, uh, you know, we have a couple more weeks before we hit October. And uh, I know we were talking about doing an annual for Gotham season one, season two, and then having uh, Drew on. So um because we haven't had a chance to talk about that show much at all we started adding that to the news recently to see if anybody noticed and uh yeah i think it's time and 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 as our listeners too let us know um if you want to see gotham i mean we've already heard a lot of positive feedback from people who want to see it and um you know want to see it but if you've never spoken up about it let us know if you watch it and you would like to see us uh add it to our lineup when we come back because i think gotham starts back up before the other shows do i think gotham is in september yeah. Um, so we'll actually be able to spend a lot of time on Gotham, maybe do our annuals then around that time leading up to the premiere of Gotham and then, you know, just head forth into it. Um, so let us know. Uh, uh, either tweet to us. Uh, you can tweet to myself at NXT Level Radio or tweet to Rob at Caffeine Crew. Uh, or is it at the Caffeine Crew? Uh, it's just Caffeine Crew. It's at Caffeine Crew. I was right the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, or send us an email, which is probably the best way to do it, dcprimetime at nextlevelradioonline.com, and let us know if you want to see Gotham added to the lineup, because we're, uh, it sounds like we're definitely all for it. Yeah. I mean, so, like I said, there's a lot more out there, like iZombie and Lucifer and, you know, Preacher out there now. But I mean, it's once we start adding all the Vertigo stuff, I think we'll, our heads are going to start to spin. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but with news being over and everything, we have one more thing to do before we wrap up and give our cheap plugs. And that is our recommendation for the week. Uh, and you and I have the same one this week. We do. It's sitting on my hard drive in the other room as we speak. And it is sitting on my Xbox because I couldn't find it for PlayStation. It's in the store. You have to pick up the season pass. Um, Oh, okay. That's probably why I didn't see it. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know on Xbox you can actually buy it episode per episode, and well, you uh, can as well. You just have to you have to go through because uh, they break down a lot of those in a lot of the stores as add ones. Same way on Steam, it's broken down as an add on as opposed to its individual game. Because I went into the PlayStation Store and I specifically searched Batman, and it did not come up. Yeah. So, well, like I said, it depends also when you did it. Uh, the PSN store usually updates at five p.m. on Tuesdays. 
with the new release information. So, oh, that's I did it this morning. It's probably so. Yeah, if you did it this morning, you probably didn't see it, but it was right there on your PSN store front page. And obviously, that means we're talking about a video game. Yes, and that game very, very specifically being Telltale's Batman series, which kicked off today as the day of this recording. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of the Telltale games. I like the the Walking Dead Telltale game. I was a big fan of the big fan of the Game of Thrones Telltale game, the Back to the Future Telltale game. So, of course, I mean, I I see Telltale and Batman together. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, and that stuff like graphic point and click adventure games were what I grew up on um, in the '80s with Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle and Monkey Island and. You know, Sam and Max at the road. So well, this even was going a... back to Dragon's Lair. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, well, yeah, yeah, that's something kind of different, but close to it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like with all that stuff, like King's Quest and all that stuff like that. You yeah, know, this is a, that beautiful continuation when they did Walking Dead. And um, the last one that Telltale wrapped up was, um, I think, Tales from the Borderlands, Tales which the I think was, was easily their best one they've ever done. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing what is, they have in store for DC Comics version of Batman. Yeah, but yeah, our recommendation for this week, as we mentioned, is the Telltale Games Batman series, which episode one is now available, and they will release them as episodes uh, as they go through. But if you're a fan of any of the other Telltale games, it's I think it's twenty five twenty four ninety nine for the entire season. Uh, it is, which basically gets you one episode free because I think it's six episodes. It is. I believe they're doing six episodes for Batman. And now Telltale, like as you all know, usually releases one episode per month. And because you also know it's Telltale, that means that they never keep to that schedule. Yeah. So you'll probably see some some form of extra break. Hopefully it's nowhere near as bad as they were with uh, A Wolf Among Us, where I think there was a three-month gap between episodes. I actually st- I stopped playing that one because it took forever for the next yeah. episode. Um, and I know there were some big gaps in Game of Thrones as well out there, but um, but hopefully they'll be a little bit more timely. They did a pretty good job with uh, the uh, the Minecraft story mode and and uh, Tales from the Borderlands. So hopefully they'll keep to a, a pretty good point with this. But I think me and Ben are going to attempt to play through it definitely this week. So maybe we'll be able to actually discuss the review alongside Suicide Squad for th- what we thought of Episode One. Yeah, I think that's possible. I think it's um, I think when I checked, I think it's about a two hour playtime. Yeah, the, the first episode. So average episodes are usually about two to three hours, give or take, based on how how long you like to take. So yeah, but yeah, I think that's more than doable. I have uh, I have some time tonight and tomorrow where I can probably knock that out before I go away and we record next week. So yep. yeah, I think that's I think that's a good one. So uh, next week we will discuss Suicide Squad, obviously, uh, which Rob will have seen by then. Hopefully, most of you will too, and I will probably have seen for a second time. And yeah, we'll we'll see what we can do about breaking down the first episode of the Telltale Games Batman. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just a last last reminder for everybody. Remember, we are not recording until Monday night next week. So, yeah, so yes. you will you'll see the podcast posted probably either Monday night or Tuesday morning. By Tuesday morning at the latest, the podcast will become available. And so. hopefully you'll have this one up maybe later tonight. Hopefully. Yes. Well, if you're a, <laughs> if, if you're a subscriber uh, to the podcast, it's same day. Um, you know, if you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, uh as soon as I get the podcast edited, which is the same day, it's it's online and is available for subscribers. Usually not available for streaming on the Next Level website until a day afterwards because uh, that's obviously an extra step that I have to do. But it's um, for subscribers. So if you don't subscribe, uh, we definitely encourage it. It's same day. The, literally hours after – within an hour or two after we record, it is available via iTunes and Google Play. Yeah, so – so make sure you get out there and do that. And Ben, why don't you give your quick plugs? I'll give mine, and then we'll get out of here, and you can get to what you need to get to. 
All right. Uh, obviously, you can check out this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, which can be found at uh, nextlevelradioonline.com. You can follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio and, of course, Facebook.com slash Next Level Radio Online. And as we said before, you can subscribe and rate and review us on both the iTunes and the Google Play platforms just for searching DC Primetime. And you can always head over and check out some of our stuff, too, as well at CaffeineCrew.com. And we're always on Facebook and Twitter at Simply Just Caffeine Crew. And if you want to email me as well, you can always reach out to me directly. And that's just going through the caffeine crew at gmail.com. And as always, make sure you head over to NextLevelRadioOnline.com and follow up on not just our show, but all the other shows on the fabulous Next Level Podcast Network. In which, which the caffeine- there you go. Caffeine Crew is joining very, very, very soon. Probably, I would say, most likely at the start of the fall. So yeah. we'll probably be doing one more episode and Ben will start archiving our stuff up over there. So you'll have another 26 issues of things to listen to. <laughs> so, <laughs> And of course, as we mentioned earlier on, too, uh, when it comes to letting us know about Gotham, if you have any kind of opinion about anything that you want us to know or any recommendations you would like us to talk about, uh, you can just email myself and Rob in the same place, which is DC Primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this issue of DC Primetime. Indeed, I need rest. I really need rest. And, <laughs> yes. And, and scotch. And scotch. Uh, I need food. That's what I need. I, I haven't been feeling well all day, and I haven't eaten all day. So I got to try and force myself to eat something today. So Please do. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you next week for another issue of DC Primetime. We'll see you around the bend. Take care. Peace. <laughs>